good morning and welcome to another episode of Exit Strategies Radio Show. I am your host, Corwin J. Millett, broken owner of Exit Realty Low Country Group in beautiful North Charleston, South Carolina. If this is your first time listening to this show, you, sir or ma'am, are in for a treat because our mission here is very simple. That is to empower our community through financial literacy and real estate education. We're legacy building. That is what we do. So if you're out there making things happen with your family, for the generations yet to come, you know, our word teaches us to leave a legacy, to leave an inheritance for our children, our children's children, and so forth and so on. We want you to put a hashtag on that thing that says that you are legacy building because that is what you are doing. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Anchor FM. You can also find us on Instagram at our website, ExitStrategiesRadioShow.com. You can catch us in a number of different places on your favorite podcast applications. We appreciate you listening. Please share this content with your friends, your family, your coworkers, even those in your groups, your church groups, etc. Guys, because sometimes the message and the word that we are speaking here today is for you. Sometimes it is for someone else that you know. Again, we appreciate you listening. Let's get started. Good morning, good morning, and good morning, guys. Welcome to another episode of Exit Strategies Radio Show. I'm your host. Yeah, y'all know who I am. I'm Corwin J. Millett, broker and owner of Exit Realty, Low Country Group in beautiful North Charleston, South Carolina. So, guys, we have set up today a fantabulous show, all right? So, guys, we're going to have a blast and a great conversation today talking about what is going on out there in the market. So. As always, guys, we always seek to bring great guests, great perspectives, and commentary to this platform, to this show, to help you, the consumer out there in this market, or maybe you're an agent out there in this market trying to understand what needs to take place, how things need to be done, how can I position myself to win in everything that's going on, all right? So guys, look, we have invited to the table today, none other than Alan Donald. Yes, he's the leader of the of the, the Alan Donald team over at Keller Williams Realty, Charleston, Mount Pleasant. Donald, how are you doing today? I'm great, Corwin. How are you today? I am fabulous. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you so much for what I know will be a dynamic conversation I'm here today. And something useful and relevant will present itself for our listeners. So, Donald, if you don't mind, for our listeners, if you don't mind, tell them what got you into real estate. Give us a little bit of history about you and what got you here. Okay, so it's a long story, actually. (laughs) So I'm originally from Colombia, South America, and I'm Spanish speaking. That's my first language. And a long time ago, I went to Australia and I was there. I was a commercial industrial realtor in Australia for about seven years there. And then I did a bunch of other things. And we ended up in Charleston because my wife's family lived in Hilton Head and she got a job here. Okay. And so I started looking for jobs here and I decided to go back into real estate and this time into residential. So I've been selling homes here in Charleston since 2004 now. Wow. Okay. That's a lot of history, man. (laughs) <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So you said, what year you got started again? Here in Charleston, 2004. 
That is awesome. That's awesome. So you've been doing this for a little while. A little bit, yeah. I've seen a few ups and downs. <laughs> so that's that's interesting. So you have been in the business prior to the recession. You know, I just had this conversation recently, one of our other you know episodes that you know we've been here. We don't seen this before, so to speak. But before we got quote unquote you know on air, you know we're in the studio. We're just kind of having this conversation. So I want to kind of bring you back or take you back to it. Um, and then we'll circle back around definitely on that because you have a lot of insight to provide regarding now versus then and kind of, you know, what we quote unquote expect. But one of the things that you list a lot of properties, am I right? I do. Awesome. So if you had to or were able to quote unquote give advice, not in an individual setting, but in a mass setting to potential or prospective sellers of, of homes in the Charleston market or in the Charleston region, what would that advice be? Well, in order to get the best price possible, I think, I mean, you've been in this business long enough to know that in the last uh, 15 years, it's changed dramatically, 180 degrees. Uh, before, mm-hmm. if you wanted to go see homes, you had to come to a realtor's office. We had those big books with the listings that got updated once a week. And we owned the information. The, the, the client didn't have any information. Uh, well, now with the internet and all the portals, the client and the buyers know the same as we do. And so uh, our job is more uh, how to interpret the barrage of information that's out there in the internet and how to help our clients negotiate through this very challenging market because it's a changing, it's a dynamic market and not you know things that worked five years ago don't work anymore. Mm-hmm. So if you if you're a seller and you're thinking of cashing in at, at this fantastic seller market opportunity, there's there's a couple of things that are three things that are very important. Preparation is one. You really need to make your house shine, make all that deferred maintenance, those repairs, so that it presents perfect. That's the only way you're gonna get top dollar for your house. And second. Pricing. You have to have strategic pricing because even in the seller's market, you can go overboard and overprice a home, and that's not a good idea. And the third one is promotion. You need to be where the buyers are. The National Association of Realtors said that 95% of the buyers start their process online. So Mm -hmm. you have to be heavily on online advertising, pay-per-click, social media, to be able to broadcast your listing wherever the buyers are, which we don't know. It can be next door to you. It can be in Japan. We don't know. Yep, that is, that's very true. And oftentimes, I mean, so, you know, prime example in our current climate, people think, you know, I, I literally just had this conversation a few minutes ago, but oftentimes people think that what we do is easy. I was reminded of this in a previous conversation that, the reason why people think it looks easy is because of agents like you. You make it look easy. It's a lot of work, but you're a very good agent, you're a great agent. So in turn to the consumer, it looks like you didn't do any work. But the process, so giving that advice to a seller, the process for you as an as an agent, you know, what does that look like to help a seller to navigate, okay, hey, the thought process of I'm thinking about selling my home to, okay, let's get it on market. And, you know, I've already, let's say I've already done all the, the work, if you will, deferred maintenance items I've already addressed and all those things. What does that look like for you from that point going forward? 
Well, the, the first thing that we normally do is actually walk through the house with buyer's eyes because seller's eyes and buyer's eyes are completely different. <laughs> and, and this is where experience counts. You know, you, you can see things that the, the seller doesn't see. The seller doesn't see the little crack and the, the seller doesn't see the little rod that would not comply with the CO100. All those things are important to note and fix before you put the house in the market because if you fix it before, you can use whoever you want. But mm-hmm. once you have it under contract and it's a repair item, you have to have a licensed contractor. Those are in short supply and they charge more. Yep. So those things are important to note. Then we put a lot of effort into the pricing strategy because you know, a house is not worth an amount. It's worth a range. Mm-hmm. But that range, wherever you place it in that range, sends different messages to the marketplace. Okay. You put it at the bottom, you will attract all the bargain hunters and everyone who's stretching themselves to reach to that limit, mm-hmm. which are probably not very solid buyers at that point. Mm-hmm. So you're going to attract a lot of offers, but most of them are probably not great. Mm-hmm. If you price it at the top, it might you know, entice some yawns and, you know, May, very little activity, very few showings, and maybe one contract that is trying to um, hammer you down on the price. Mm-hmm. And it'll be that buyer against the seller. Mm-hmm. However, if you price it in the middle, you will attract those buyers that are ready, they're looking, they perhaps have lost one or two already, mm-hmm. they know the market, and they see your home, and they like it, and they put a solid offer because they want to win it this time. Yep. Those are the offers that are really good. Yep. So, in my opinion, pricing it in the middle of the range is the best option possible. Now, once we price it, once we prepare it, we actually bring in a staging consultant. Because what happens is to be able to appeal to the widest variety of public, mm-hmm. and you need to depersonalize, declutter, and stage the home so that it attracts mm-hmm. all kinds of people. We, mm-hmm. we have a thing to say there's two kinds of buyers, those that have imagination and those that don't. Yep. The ones that have imagination look at any house, whether it's staged or not, and they can envision their furniture, their TV, their couch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The ones that don't have imagination come in at a place that is very personal to someone else, and they, they think, oh, I, 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 this, I can't be here. I, I don't see myself living here. Mm-hmm. So the job of the stager is to make it as neutral as possible so it appeals to a wider variety of public. Once we do that and we stage it, then we take professional pictures, 3D yeah. tours, because now with COVID, a lot of people just want to do it remotely. Yep. And then if they're interested, then they're more serious and then they can go on and inspect it in person. Mm-hmm. If they're out of town, a lot of people see it on FaceTime now, um, you know, which is another change that we didn't have 20 years ago. And then once you present the best way possible and broadcast it out online, uh, it's a matter of finding those great buyers, hopefully, from a seller's perspective, attract multiple offers so that in that way, the buyers are competing against each other, not against you, the seller. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the best scenario to get the top market price. Makes so, sense? you know, one of the things that you just touched on in there by pricing, you know, obviously you got a range and being in the middle versus being the other way, you're you know spot on, in my opinion, I agree with you wholeheartedly. When you're at the top of the market, you know, sellers miss this. You know, there's an old saying, and, and put this out here and see if you agree with it. But there's an old saying that typically a first offer is the best offer. I mean, that's the best opportunity. It may not be 
number wise the best, but the first offer typically is the person that you may stand a better chance of negotiating a deal with. Do you agree with that or disagree? In general, I agree with one exception. Okay. Uh, recently, we've had a lot of institutional investors that does just throw cash offers at you. Yep. Those are not the best offers. They might be the <laughs> they might be the first ones, but they're yeah. not the best ones. Okay. They always have some way of getting out. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that is fair. That is fair. And obviously, we're going to pick up. You just touched on a subject that I definitely want us to, to chat with. We're quickly coming up on our first break, but I want to have this conversation. So for our listeners, guys, I want you to stay tuned. I want you to hold tight because we're going to have a conversation about our buyers. All right. So our buyers are institutional buyers, investors. All right. So these groups, these people that buy these properties from wherever, however, those are the people that we're competing with. And for our listeners, if you haven't saw, I mean, I haven't watched it. Um, it was a lot of fanfare in the real estate world about it. But just this past week, I believe, um, 60 Minutes did a piece on buyers competing with our buyers. So basically the traditional buyers competing with those people. So, Alan, if you could hold tight, if you don't mind, before we go to the break, tell our listeners where they can reach you at, your contact information. Uh, so my email is alan at alandonald.com. That's A-L-A-N at A-L-A-N-D-O-N-A-L-D.com. Or my phone is 843-864-3777. Awesome, awesome. Oh, my, my website is buyhomesincharleston.com. Awesome. So guys, hold tight. We're going to take a quick break here, and we'll be right back. As I always say, if y'all got cane pads, sir, let's get that down out of the cabinet and call me, so I'll be on the way to get some. But y'all hold tight, and we'll get right back to the show. Congratulations to this week's Realtor of the Week for Exit Realty Low Country Group. None other than Mimi Eubanks, your country realtor. You can reach Mimi at 843-730-3327 or text My Realtor Mimi. That's M-Y-R-E-A-L-T-O-R-M-E-M-E. To 85377. I'll give y'all country real to a hollow now. Guys, and we are back. Second segment, Exit Strategies Radio Show. I'm your host, Colin J. Millett, broken owner of Exit Realty Low Country Group in beautiful North Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, we have a dynamic show. We're having a great time today. We have with us, yes, we have with us today in studio, we have with us Alan Donald with the Let's be clear, the Allen Donald team over at Keller Williams Realty, Charleston, Mount Pleasant. Alan, thank you again so much for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. Awesome. So, look, before the break, we were kind of just, quote unquote, peeling back the first layer of the onion, if you will, related to our buyers, investor buyers, you know, institutional buyers, whatever you assign that I to, it all means the same thing. It's people that's buying, or groups that's buying homes that they ain't going to live in. And oftentimes they're larger, you know, corporations or larger, you know, groups and they're coming in buying cash and things of that nature. So one of the things, and and you and I uh, kind of talked about this, you know, as we were beginning the show briefly, but one of the things that was, for example, prime example, in my neighborhood, our HOA association is looking to put in a restriction on either the number of rentals 
or you know other restrictions that are designed to hinder mass buyer purchases in in the neighborhood. And I'm gonna share this experience with you. I didn't get a chance to say this earlier, but as I get to you know your thoughts on it, one thing. So recently, in not directly in my subsection, but in the adjoining neighborhood, we actually had a client who was very specific when they went to sell their home. They got offers and they obviously got institutional you know, offers. And they were very specific that they did not want to sell the home to an investor, that they wanted the home to go to someone who would live there, be a part of and contribute. Those were the, their words to the community. So our buyers, what are your thoughts? Hmm. It's an interesting one. So the iBuyers is mostly institutional money, hedge funds, uh, REITs, uh, you know, uh, big money uh, from Wall Street that have decided that getting into residential rentals is a good business. Like any institutional investor, it's all about the dollars, dollars and cents, nothing else matters. So I can understand why a neighborhood might get a little bit uncomfortable with a large amount of uh, investment-owned homes in their neighborhood because, you know, in in reality, renters don't take as much care of houses as owners Mm -hmm. uh, because they have less skin in the game. And yes, I mean, I I can understand why they want to restrict iBuyers. However, I question whether that's going to be challenged in court because that's an anti-competitive practice mm-hmm. as, as a as a single seller you can do it you know mm-hmm. you can you can sell to whoever you want but as an organization i don't know i it's mm-hmm. yet to be it's yet to be determined however i think the i buyer thing is kind of starting to taper off i think if you remember zillow closed their i buyer division not long ago mm-hmm uh, that tells you something is maybe not such a great business like they thought it was. So I think that as the market shifts uh, again, we might see fewer and fewer eye buyers as, as time goes. I hope because, you know, other buyers, it's very hard to compete with cash offers. However, like I said before, the eye buyers are smart. They always give themselves an out and normally they're not the best offers ever. But they are hard to compete because they're cash up. That is very fair. Typically, you know, you see them. I mean, even in current climate, you see these offers come in above, you know, asking. Usually they have what we would say is a fairly quick close, not, you know, instantaneous, but a shorter time period. But their agreements do come typically with language, you know, in their agreements or contracts that are advantageous to them to cancel a contract and walk away. And I know within the industry, and I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, Alan, that you've seen this as well, but, you know, sometimes it is last minute. I'm talking about two or three days before closing and they're exercising some clause that allows them to walk away. And as a seller who's already negotiated, maybe perhaps you negotiated a new house, you've already packed up the existing house, you may have a moving truck or pod in the front yard that you've either packed or packing, you know, your stuff maybe ought to be going in storage, whatever that may look like. Now at the ninth hour, now you have to have this go on. And granted, in all fairness, that can happen in any transaction. Always can have a last minute issue or delay. 
But that's one of the things that we're definitely seeing more so in, in this scenario. You know, as I shared, you know, about people looking to say, okay, well, look, we want to have this. We want people to buy in, but into the community. But I'm, I'm also going to give you on the other side of the coin something in, you know, for your opinion, a lot of people don't think about. So as institutions own all these properties, eventually they control the market, which means that either, let's say, for example, for whatever reason, we need to liquidate cash. We can have a mass sell-off, plummet property values, and that impacts everyone. So that's one thing. That's, I mean, essentially talking about one buyer owning so many homes in a given area, neighborhood, or what have you, they can control that. Or they could considerably increase prices as well because they decide they want to sell a house and they essentially run the prices up. So that's a very interesting scenario. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think in Charleston in particular, uh, they don't have the mass, necessary mass to affect the market that much. Because let's figure it out. I mean, at the moment, we have a thousand listings on the MLS and we need about 6,000 to balance the market. So even if 5,000 listings come on the market tomorrow, we'll be at a neutral ma- uh, balance market. It won't be a buyer's market yet. So we're so far behind in inventory that I don't think they have the amount of homes necessary to move our market yet. In other markets, it might be possible. In Charleston, I don't think it's that that much of a worry, to be honest with you. Okay, and that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. You know, so that's definitely an interesting conversation. So, you know, you've been here. We've been here before. So let me ask you your opinion, like from where we are, where do you think we're going? Uh-huh. What do you think is going You're happen? asking me, my crystal ball is really blurry. <laughs> 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 That's a hard one. Well, I think that we need to, to look at it in different bits and pieces. Uh, in 2005, our boom market was driven by speculation and free money. You got a heartbeat. Here's 105%. No questions asked. I don't need mm-hmm. to know how much you earn. I don't need. To, I didn't need to know anything. Here it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you saw the Big Short, right? The movie. I think so. Yeah, yeah. That was exactly how it happened in 2005. The boom today is for different reasons. It's more because of more demand. I mean, buyers say, "Well, there's nothing to buy." That is not true. We sold the the biggest amount of. Uh, homes last year. We sold over 22,000 homes in the MLS, which was a record year. So mm-hmm. we're selling a lot. It's just that demand is so much higher that we can't keep up. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's what's driven prices up. The huge demand that suddenly after you know May of 2020, the phone mm-hmm. started ringing and it hasn't, it hasn't stopped. And for many reasons. First of all, people are moving from bigger cities to the suburbs or to smaller cities. So mm-hmm. that that's happening. Second, everyone learned that you know you can work remotely from anywhere. So there's a lot of people that are saying, "Why am I in a big city paying big prices, huge property taxes when I can do the same, earn the same money, and live mm-hmm. in a nicer, cheaper place like Charleston?" Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so those are those are. And then interest rates. Interest rates are still at historical lows. And people to say, oh, four and a half percent. Well, four and a half percent was a wonderful interest rate six years ago. Yep. <laughs> you know, 
And so we're still very, very affordable. If you see actually the affordability curve, which is the relationship between home prices, interest rates, and salaries, we're still pretty affordable compared to the last three decades. Mm-hmm. So those are different factors. So where are we going with that? I think, I mean, again, the crystal ball is very, and, and in any external big event can affect demand, can affect supply. Mm-hmm. So you have to gauge. But I think we're going to have, in my opinion, a short inventory for at least another year. It's going to take a long time to catch up with all the demand if the demand stays level. That's now, true. if interest rates go to 7%, suddenly demand will drop and will require a lot fewer listings to balance mm-hmm. that market. That's fair. Go ahead. So let me ask you this, and again, because we've been here. So do you remember what interest rates were when you got into the business? Ooh. No, <laughs> but I think it's around the six and a half percent. That yeah. So my recollection, the rates were six and a half, seven, six and a half or so, and they went up, you know, to seven and some change or what have you. And then you know, obviously, depending, you know, but that was back when you know rates and stuff really were influenced by you know buyers' ability. You know, there was a a swing. You know, if the buyer was more challenged, then that rate. You know, the risk was higher, so the rate was higher. So there was a significant amount of that. I mean, granted, from all that stuff in the recession, you know, uh, you know that's what we got. We HVCC, we got, you know, truth in lending and all this other stuff that kind of came to counteract those things, the practices that were going, were taking place prior to. But, you know, that's the conversation that we get. People are always hung up on the rate, and I understand the, the thought process, but, We've been through way worse rates. Um, you know, Mark Wheat says this thing, closing attorney says this thing all the time that bought either got into the business or got his bought his first house, he had an eighteen and change percent interest rate. So, right. you know, we get hung up on the rate, which is important. Don't get me wrong, but nonetheless, it could be far worse. And we seemingly forget that their rate could be much higher, significantly higher than than, than what it is. So, Alan, thank you so much for joining us. Look, if you don't mind. One more time for our listeners, please give them your contact information how they can reach you with any questions. Awesome. Thank you, Corin. So I'll start with my website, buyhomesincharleston.com. Easy to remember. Then my email, alan at alandonald.com. And then my phone number is 843-864-3777. Awesome. Thank you so much. So for our listeners, guys, thank you so much for tuning in and being a part of the Exit Strategies radio show family. Alan, again, thank you so much for being a part of the family. Every time you're in a guest, when you're a guest with us, you are part of the family. So for our listeners, guys, you know, know what we always say to you. One, this is a thing right now. Go love on somebody this week. You know, don't just let past the person by on the, on the wayside, on the side of the road and leave them there. Go help them. Help somebody. Love on somebody this week, guys as we continue to encourage and empower you all. Our mission here, we say it, we mean it, is to empower our community through financial literacy and real estate education. As we always say here at Exit Strategies Radio Show, we love you, we love you, I love you, and we're going to see you guys out there in the streets. Thank you so much. Guys, that was a great show today, and we thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Exit Strategies Radio Show. 
My name is Corwin J. Millett. Yes, that is me. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in for today's episode. Exit Strategies is my baby. It is how I give back to our community. It is how I foster goodwill, spread good news, and trustfully help you get great results. Guys, as I always say to you, as I always say to you, I love you. I love you. I love you. And we're going to see you guys out there in the streets. <laughs>